Welcome to the Mead Podcast. I'm Tom, the founder of Gosnells. And I'm Will, the head brewer here at Gosnells. This is our podcast where we are going to be chatting about all things mead and booze. Uh, each week we take a, either a mead enthusiast or a mead maker and we sit them down to a bunch of questions about why they love mead. Uh, so yeah, so thanks to everyone who's spared some time for that uh, from their busy schedules. I know everyone in the mead world is super busy at the moment. Yeah, and thanks everybody for their continued support over the last uh, God, couple of years now. So entering into the fourth season of the mead podcast. The fourth season. So thank you all for your support. And uh, Well, yeah, let's just get into it. Let's go. Cool. Hi, Will. How are you? Yeah, I'm right. I'm right. It's early doors, Tom. It is early doors. Why is it early doors? Because uh, we're we're podcasting across the across, literally the across other side the of the globe. Across so the we've globe. done this twice now, and I don't know if I'm uh, I'm not as bubbly in the morning. Uh, I don't think anyone. I don't think I am. I'm normally a morning. <laughs> I tell person, myself. But, um, yeah, it's just not happening. So we are talking to Chanel from Borage and Beat in New Zealand. Hi, Chanel. How are you? Hello. Very good. Thank you. What's what? what time? So it's the evening there, and it's morning here. Is that right? It My is not great. Yep. 8.05 p.m. I did have to Google time in London today to try and get my head around. <laughs> yeah, I do it all the time. <laughs> yeah. The and I still make mistakes constantly. I don't know what it Isn't is. It your sister it. always just calls you around. Oh, yeah. My sister day. just called like, me at, you know, two in the afternoon on a Friday evening. And she's like, oh, I, just, just having some drinks. Just <laughs> thought I would have a chat. Yeah. Uh, yeah but yeah do you want to introduce yourself and uh you know sort of tell everybody what you do and and uh, a little bit about borage and beet yeah sure um so i live on the edge of lake hawea near wanaka in the south island of new zealand um i have a couple of kids and a husband and about in october last year um i launched borage and bean meadery um with our first Super dry mead, uh, session sparkling mead. And um, back in April, we launched flavor number two. So it's all pretty new, uh, very, very new to New Zealand as a whole. Um, I've come to realize how far behind we are, but it's kind of exciting to be at the, at the front of something, for sure. Sure. So, so you, obviously, you, it's pretty recent. Uh, what was the inspiration? Where did it come from? And I guess, why mead? Yeah, I um, my hobby background, I suppose, we've lived on a lot of high country stations and farms around New Zealand, and a lot of them have had old orchards, and yeah. no one has touched them. So I would spend all my time, instead of bottling fruit, I would ferment everything into booze. So um, I would t- make apple ciders, apple and pear ciders, plum wines, elderflowers, elderberries, whatever I could find. Um, I hate wastage, so I would ferment it. Um, and that. so when I read about mead in a magazine article back in 2018, I'd heard of it, but I didn't really know anything further than that. Um, I, as soon as I read it, I started noting down a whole lot of flavor combinations that I thought would... Um, would go really well with honey to tell the story of New Zealand's regions, produce and seasons. Yeah. And then knowing what, um, what New Zealand's reputation for honey is and alcohol and wine, um, it kind of made sense to give it a go. It kind of felt like if I didn't do it, someone would, and it was going to happen soon based on what the rest of the world was up to. That's couldn't, the thing with all these ideas. When you out. believe in it, you think I've got to get on this because otherwise <laughs> someone else yeah. is going to beat me to it. Um, yeah. 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 I've had plenty of business ideas and plenty of things waiting in the wings, but this is one that was like, now or never, get it on to it. Mm. 
No, sorry, go, so, go yeah. for it. Yeah, no, yeah. no. So I, I'm just, uh, I've, I've, I've got a list of questions to do, but just, just from that there, um, what sort of, Talk to me a little bit about your honey and where you sort of source it from and how you work with it. Yeah, so uh, what um, I did to begin with, there was not a lot of method to it. I put a call out in social media. I already have a bit of an existing online presence. Um, I started a group back in 2013 that has 14,000 women from rural New Zealand. A lot of oh. them happen to be beekeepers and know of them. Um, so that kind of gave me a platform straight away to say, who is a beekeeper that has honey, who wants to get involved with something new. Um, so instead of get involved, I wanted to put it out there and see who wanted to be involved. And I've done that the whole way along. Um, and it's worked really well. So our first honey is, and our predominant one at the moment, is a borage blend honey from Twizel, which is um, like, the sort of very hot, very cold high country of New Zealand. Um, and that one, it's, it's quite mild. It's, um, it's very easy to work with without overpowering anything. Like we tried some trials that had a lot of um, New Zealand native bush honey in it, which had kanuka and manuka, but the response was that it was quite medicinal. Like it was, it was mm -hmm. almost too strong. Um, so what we do is for the, our first two blends, we use a combination of the borage honey and the native bush honey so that we get a little bit of interesting flavor, but not so much that it's a punch in the face, I suppose. Sure. Especially so because most people who try it, it's the first time they've ever tried mead. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, when, when you're talking about borage, like I've only ever heard borage over here, which has got another name of English star flower. You talk about borage as in like a type of flower. Yeah, um, it can be called Viper's Bugloss. I think that's like the overarching name of it. And then there's different varietals. It's like a, it could be anywhere from about 15 centimeters to a meter tall. And it's kind of gray and spiky, the stalks. Um, and then it's got this really delicate little bluey purple flower all the way up it. And it's probably, yeah, I think it's the same. I've never seen it before. And I, I've got it here. And we use borage a little bit here, um, the borage yeah. honey. And it's a little bit like, uh, winter spicy and vanilla you can get or it can get quite light and, yeah. and delicate as well is it the same yeah yeah I'd yeah, say cool. it is it's and a lot of people here even don't know what it is until you explain to them they've seen it plenty of times before yeah, it's yeah. all along the rivers and the lakes here but it's it's not particularly noticeable unless you're looking for it yeah, it's um yeah, yeah it's I really like the honey. Up in yeah, I, yeah, I never yeah, knew I never. only heard it when I moved over here and and I say that I only heard it in the last sort of three, four years. Only since we've been talking about honey, <laughs> yeah, right? Because it's, it's, it's one of those honeys that has that distinctive. Yeah, flavor, and right? here it's it's quite an early season pick honey as well. Yeah. So it's one of those ones, one of the first ones to get on the table after the uh, the winter. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. fly for quite a long period here, considering the weather varieties. Yeah. So um you said you do two sort of uh, meads as well. You do a, a you come out first with a with an ultra dry mead, and I see you've got a semi-sweet mead as well. What sort yeah. of drove you to go there, the, the dry method first off and, and how difficult was that to, to get that recipe down? Yeah, I think in hindsight, uh, I possibly should have done the semi-sweet first because the dry was quite a surprise to people. I think they thought of honey, they expected it to be sweet and then it's, you know, drier than anything else in the market. But at the same time, the idea was to develop a drink that sat in with the low sugar, low carb, low calorie beverage market that is booming over here at the moment. Um, 
so it was trying to sort of tap onto the end of that bandwagon but uh so it came out it came out fine it's quite good people are very polarized by it they either love the dry or they love the sweet it seems to be like um yeah it's, it's been really interesting it's it's something that i've never experienced within business before is actually individual people's taste taste buds it's, yeah. it's quite personalized as well isn't it and it really comes <laughs> down to like people make their mind up before they have you know before they have the drink you know they kind of yeah. know what they like so mm. it's kind of a, a weird sort of yeah. position to put also i find in. that people uh lie to themselves about what they like so they're like i don't like yeah. sweet things and then you drink a lot of sugar <laughs> and you're like they love everyone loves something a bit sweet there's so a specter like, of a sweetness yeah, yeah, too. Yeah, people like, i don't like sweet things and you haven't like oh that's not sweet and you're like that, that's, that's like really treacle sweet. to me that's really um, sweet, yeah. yeah 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 i would traditionally go with something quite dry so um you know compared to the cider industry over here you know the sugar content can be anywhere from like 16 to 20 plus grams of sugar in a bottle so that's that's some pretty sweet stuff um but in terms of the recipe development uh we right from the start so december 2019 i gave myself a goal of being in shell on the shelves in 12 months time so at that point i hired a guy called sam white who is a brewing consultant he works with um he's worked with some of new zealand's biggest breweries and he's a really fantastic problem solver and recipe master I suppose my style is very chuck it in she'll be right it'll work or it won't whereas he's like a meticulous perfectionist you know sanitation everything's 100% so um he kind of balances out my wildness by actually putting things into practice and bringing it to reality so it's been really good my initial meat trials were average at best um the next one sort of got better but the ability I didn't want to use sulfites that was something that I really was quite passionate about at the beginning without understanding the full process so I couldn't at home I couldn't work out how to stabilize it at a certain point without using sulfites which um we yeah we've sort of had a bit of a play with how we do that but it can be quite polarizing, but our initial cans at the moment, we have lightly pasteurized them to try and see how we can balance that out once they are in the can. Um, not we haven't pasteurized the honey at all at the beginning, um, just to see if we can stabilize that way without having to use any um, preservatives. Yeah, I mean that's what we do here. Quite polarizing. Well, yeah, I. Yeah, I love a bit of pasteurization because you don't have to use sulfites. It's a nice, neat yeah. solution. And I think for us, that shelf stability is really, obviously, really important. It's that critical yeah. point. So yeah. um, if you post-pack pasteurize or pasteurize in the can, you just, it's very difficult to have any problems after that um, yeah. for stability. So that's, yeah, we're big fans of pasteurization here. Love yeah, it. and we, love we go it. That's good. I think I quite, I offended the craft brewers over here, I think. The home guys, I think that was pretty much. Yeah, it's the home brewers because pasteurization, like if you look at pasteurization in Belgium, it's still split between, especially in mixed fermentation, like yeah. it's split between, you know, pasteurization and leaving something go to develop further down. So some brewers like to go, oh, I want to hold a flavor profile here. And pasteurization is a really clean and effective way of, of capturing what I like in my own product instead of, you know, allowing nature to take its course and allowing that yeah. to develop over time. Like it's, it's, it's not a, a dirty process as some people uh, sort of yeah. envision, envision it. 
Yeah, and I mean, I think if the alternative is sulfites, there's pluses and minuses to both mm. of them, right? So you kind of, yeah. um, you know, uh, I, I, yeah. Yeah, because it's good for oxidization. Like sulfites is good for keeping on, like we're yeah, playing yeah. around a little bit at the moment with different forms of sort of uh, keeping that flavor profile going longer without using sulfites because it does help with that. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it sort of allows all those compounds to sit still and 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 not have to, you know, sort of interact with each other or you know, sort of allow oxygen to come in there and start playing around with bits sure. and pieces yeah. as well. Sorry, so back to, back to your mead. Yeah. We could talk about <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> fermentation methods for a long time and stabilization. I love a bit of pa uh, packaging chat, but that's just me. Um, so the you, you said you're in can. So what kind of format? What kind of percent? Like how strong is it? What does it look like? Have you got any that you could show up to the camera yeah. for us? <laughs> I actually have one sitting on the windowsill in front of me for some unusual reason. Can't tell you why it's yeah. there, but one second. <laughs> just be all around just the house in the end yeah i know the feeling <laughs> yeah. it's late in my car which makes me look like uh, a little bit of a problem drinker yeah. but yeah i always have a case of some in the back because there's always people yeah. wanting to try it wherever i am yeah um so this is the can that we have at the moment oh nice it's, uh, yeah it's quite it's been a pain in the ass actually from right from day one because I put my foot down and I wanted a, a sleek can, a yep. 330 mil sleek can. No one else in New yeah. Zealand uses them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I was the first one and the minimum order quantity was 250,000 cans. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I managed to use some that were left from a company that did energy drinks once Um and then instead of labeling, we've sleeved them and it's a matte sleeve with a gloss honey drip. So oh, that nice. was, and the pa painting on it um, was done by a local Wanaka artist of Johns Creek. So this here is the view right out my window in daytime. Oh, that's so, cool. Yeah, it was kind of, um, I wanted it to be unique because like just in our supermarket in Wanaka, for example, um, there are 280 craft beers in one big fridge um, alone, all it's a kaleidoscope of colors and patterns and wildness. And then on the other side, there's ciders and alcoholic kombuchas and seltzers. It's really difficult to be able to stand out in a market that is absolutely flooded at the moment. And I kind of wanted to sit higher than a classic, stubby yeah. 330 mil can but be narrower than the 440 mil just as a point of difference so um i i like my cans <laughs> yeah <laughs> i i really like them but um it's going to be interesting to see what you know what that goes with and um who uh it's i suppose we're in that bit of a trial phase at the moment to understand who our market is what they want to drink how they want to drink it where they want to buy it from how much they're willing to pay uh so it's all it's all a bit of a learning act at the moment and with the price of honey uh to have it in this type of format and try and sell it at the price of a seltzer or a beer doesn't work it's challenging isn't it yeah 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 we i mean we constantly run up against that kind of issue of try trying to convince people that to pay that premium for the honey you know mm -hmm. to that it is worth trading up i think um i mean i i yeah we've certainly been working really hard on how we crunch down all the costs that aren't honey so you know mm. better better packaging costs better you know all those kind of things because yeah um yeah honey's, yeah, the, one honey's the one thing you can't really compromise on it is it is what it is so 
Mm. Yes, it's what we build everything around. And just talking about like developing different packaging and and, and bottles and like it, it changes so much over time as well and seeing how people's response to, you know, like we're kind of wildflower and, and just yeah, yeah. certain terminology and wording that just allows. Yeah, so I think that's what we've learned a lot about the education of and yeah, just the language you use around that is really important. Yeah, for yeah. us, we you know, it's, it's a lot more sort of brewing slang and a little bit, yeah, even, even in-house slang about what we're sort of doing and realising yeah. that people actually respond to very, you know, nice terminologies that, that we generally would find weird. Yeah. That's true. Like pretty, pretty kind of terminologies, like yeah. talking yeah, exactly. about wildflowers and things. Yeah. Yeah. When yeah, yeah. I saw you guys, um, your bottles, I think it's heather based. Oh yeah, the heather um, honey. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and the in the sort of the wine bottle, like that's I think that was one of the first because I'd listened to you guys' podcast um before I'd even convinced myself to so get you're involved. you're our New Zealand lister, are you? <laughs> when, we look, when, we look, when we look at the analytics, it's you. Good. I was yeah, wondering probably. who that was. Sorry. I downloaded a few episodes on Spotify. <laughs> we, we got into the to top, what was it? The, we, were, we, were the, we were in the top 50 New Zealand food and drink podcasts for about a week. So <laughs> I was pretty happy with so that. So thank you for that. Thank that's you. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I, um, I'd stumbled upon it. I was just desperate to find more people doing it and to hear from them because yeah. there was one company here. That was it. So um, I was just, yeah, looking everywhere um but no it's i don't know it's it's an interesting interesting place to be in new zealand at the moment yeah so what we we've kind of i guess split our range into i guess two really or two or three yeah. we've got the cans which are kind of four percent volume products made with um a blend of honeys from across europe and then we've got the more specialty honeys like the heather honey which comes in a bigger format mm. and stronger so we can still talk about i guess the terroir of the honey in that respect but actually we've got another product that's a bit more accessible and a bit more easy going mm. so for here we're kind of slipping alongside cider sort of and ciders and yeah. fruit ciders with that core product um that's that's been working really well for us probably in the last year 18 months mm. just mm. very easy to explain to people that it's like cider but made from honey and people are like, oh fine yeah. i'll give that a go rather than me yeah. you just end up in this whole world of yeah. kind of medieval pain um just talking about it's really easy to get people over the line yeah, too, because when it's yeah. something that they have absolutely no idea about, it's really hard to change people's perception to, yeah, I've tried. If they're not a, I'll yeah. try, because you'll always get the people that will try anything. You put it in front of them and they just, yeah, I'm one of those people that I don't care what it is or whether or not I'm going <laughs> to like it. I'm going to try it and then yeah. I'll figure it out. I'm not going to take my Yeah, but the people who are genuinely scared to try yeah, stuff, yeah. new stuff and... And that baffles me, but that's it. So have you sort of done any of the higher ABV sort of fermentation or played around with any of those sort of more traditional style meats? I haven't yet, um, but that is something that I'm working on. Um, I found it really difficult to find any in New Zealand to try. Like I've probably mm. only tried two traditional meats ever because that's what's on the market. So I find them... Um, very sweet very uh, the ones that i've tried are more like almost like a honey liqueur yeah that kind of yeah. a very strong dessert wine so i'm trying to I, I like what you've done with the cans and the bottles and that's something that i'm sort of ex exploring at the moment um and i'm a part of a business acceleration program at the moment that um we're sort of looking at what that southeast asia export market looks like so understanding whether it's cans or bottles um, what the price point is, how to tell the story. And, you know, I, I don't know if you find the same, but 
in New Zealand, it's like you cannot use the words health and alcohol or make any claims whatsoever about yeah how it I is. Mean, it's, pretty, it's, it's pretty much the same here, but yeah. yeah, yeah, and we stick well away from it because it's you can't yeah. really make health claims about alcohol, can you? It's never, yeah, it's, never no, it's good just, for you. It's just not the yeah the game that we're in either. No. Whereas when we sell in the US, they um they when we were talking about that. There was there was a you know discussion with with some people out there about how how they have subtly link the two and we were we were kind of like oh well, we we just kind of stick well away from it just because yeah yeah we wouldn't get away with it here like, no we, not at all no. And it, yeah. yeah it's just one of those things to that sort of rub you up the wrong way as well <laughs> it does it just because there's no need for for that sort no. of no process in there but you know like low calorie and that sort of thing i, I you know they link across with the salsa market yeah, and stuff so, there and it's you know people sort of see that whether you intend it or not as well just because of what the category builds yeah so it doesn't mean that uh, you need a leader. Sorry, were you saying yeah, that you were I looking at the Southeast Asian market and, and kind of looking at that health, the health, the health benefits of honey and that kind of thing? Or what were you? Sorry, we just interrupted you and went on a tangent. Partially, it's sort of it's sorry. a bit, yeah, it's a bit up in the air at the moment. What we're looking to do to change, you know, this is sort of our our start and yeah. it's sort of just the launching pad for a whole lot of different ideas. So, and you know, in New Zealand, especially with the manuka honey honey is often talked about with health properties. And for example, the borage flower has traditionally been used um, as an anti-anxiety and mild sedative. So it's it's in time, you know, maybe it's talking about not the properties of the mead, but the perhaps the properties of the honey that goes into the mead. So yeah. it's just a whole lot of things that trying to cover off everything because quite a few people who are outside of the alcohol industry have said, you know, what are the health benefits? I'm like, well, I can't tell you because I don't know and I'm not yeah. allowed to say anything. <laughs> so it's, it's a really interesting place to kind of um, try and understand because if we're going into China, for example, with a Manuka blend, you know, there's going to be those connotations. Um, so it's just mm. trying to work out how to either steer clear of it or use it without being purposeful and being very clear that we don't know the health properties after fermentation, yeah. but we do use manuka honey. So, yeah, it's it's a minefield. I don't. It's going yeah, to be it's, really an, it's an interesting challenge. How, that, how you how you going to get get away with that? Yeah, it's just got because uh, honey, no matter where it is, has has those sort of associations with it. Yeah. You know, especially in New Zealand, coming out with this as well, and the same we've got here with the heather honey, and it's you know one of those sort of protein rich and, mm. and used for for generations for for lots of different applications and. I think people sort of understand as soon as it's turned into alcohol that it's it, changed, it, it right? may not take away from it, but you're definitely uh, balancing that that yeah. that back out. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like playing around with lower ABV stuff as well, and you get it a lot here with low alcohol beers and these sorts of things, making those those claims as functional well. Functional beer, functional beers is what they're trying to. That's the kind of the new kind. So that we've had the yeah. low alcohol beers come in, and you know the next wave is then what they're calling functional. So I don't know. They've got health properties beyond just not being alcoholic. Yeah, that's it. We have a couple. There's a company here that does it with different types of mushrooms. Yeah, mycelium and, and right. mushrooms, yeah. and which is quite interesting. And, and and looking at like the dosage that goes into it. You know, when you use something like CBD, usually the the dosage of that is quite low, and it's because it has quite a strong flavor profile. So I was I was actually quite impressed yeah. by that. Were you? Yeah, just just okay. about how much the flavor impact was versus the recommended dose. That was actually uh, yeah. active and like how, how it works with different mushrooms i well. guess for me when i was talking to them with my commercial hat on i was talking to them about the pricing of it and they were saying that it's oh, it's, it's just so much more expensive yeah. and so it's more expensive yeah. than a normal craft beer uh, for a non-alcoholic yeah. beer and yeah. i just thought oh you 
you're struggling to get this away, right? If I want, I don't know, if I want a functional drink, I'll have a functional drink. That's, mm. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, for, we, me, for me, yeah, it's, it's about like, yeah. It's about fusing we, all yeah, the categories together. Yeah, if you could sort of, you know, put on, if you could do it at a price point, right, and you could get a little bit of that in there, I quite like that that approach to it instead of just. Yeah, but I think there, there's a direction for mead in that, yeah, a bit of low alcohol fermentation, whether it's with like, like a yeah, different com- bacteria, different bacteria and yeast. Um, there's a future in that, I think that, but we need to develop the mead category first before you can have a yeah. low alcohol mead. I think, yeah. you know, we're, we're several yeah. steps away from that. Uh, <laughs> I know the world is like, it's so exciting what the possibilities are. It's just going all right, one bite at a time. And we just need to yeah. develop this so, first. So, I mean, that's basically, so Will and the brewery team constantly knock out really exciting, interesting things. And I just concentrate on selling the core product <laughs> and just, yeah. just turning the handle and keeping the machine going um yeah so yeah i think it's a challenge right it's a challenge to yeah, balance it's, the it's, yeah and it's always it's always in the back of your mind you're always trying to you know find something outside of what you're doing already even though i'm you're still in that process you're always so far beyond it that, yeah uh, yeah so sorry chanel we've just been we've been rabbiting on as per usual so <laughs> let's fine. talk a bit more about mead in new zealand so you said that there's only a couple of brands so they kind of uh, legacy or sort of heritage brands that have been there for a while and you're the first new one or are they also kind of startups what does that mead scene mm. look like so from what I understand, there's probably two or three brands in New Zealand that are traditional meat that um, are quite, you know, p- probably pay homage more to that Viking style of product yeah. and packaging. Um, and then in 2017, another company came along called Lone Bee Meat and beautiful packaging, great product. Um, and I think it's just looking to expand at the moment. Uh, but up until from 2017 till 2020, there was no movement, no new brands. Yeah. One of the bigger guys in New Zealand, Max, tried to bring something out called Love Buzz. It came and went, no marketing. <clears throat> um, and then when I launched in October last year, about three others all launched around the same time, all session sparkling meads, um, which was a bit of a, uh, like, I was a bit pissed off to begin with because I was like, this is my thing. <laughs> but it also at the same time, you, you very quickly understand that you can't develop a category with one product or two products or two brands. Nope. Um, so it's been really cool to see. Everyone's got their own take on it. There's a couple of young guys out of one of the universities who have just developed um, two new flavors, really, which feel to be quite aimed at university students in their RTD seltzer kind of space, which is huge at the moment. Um, there is uh, one that's developed on your vineyard, and then there's mine and then there's another one that's done in a microbrewery up north so um whereas i'm sort of contract brewing through a commercial outfit um, in new zealand so yeah we've all taken a really different spin on it our markets are quite different and it would be really interesting to find out as we go along what the plans for the future are because i think we've all taken quite a different spin on it um it's yeah it's it's i think from what I've sort of understood just from questioning people over the past couple of years, I would say around 80% of New Zealanders don't know what meat is. The ones who do have either tried it and loved it or tried it and hated it because it's been a really sickly sweet or they Vikings or Robin Hood. Like those are the connotations. There's nothing outside of that. (laughs) Do you guys find the same? Yeah, certainly. I think we, it is, yeah, broadly the same. We've been at this since, what, 2014? So I think 
a couple of things have changed. Like we've been we've just been banging the drum for ages. So I think we've we've got um how we talk about it down a bit more. Um, and so we can steer away from the questions about Beowulf and Vikings pretty early on and sort of start talking more about honey and provenance and you know what what honey is and what the bees are actually doing they're eating flowers and that that's quite an it, like quite a it's a message that resonates really well for yeah for yeah then we had to yeah dial that right back as well as in like back to the start of the yeah. origins of honey instead yeah, yeah. Of, so, instead of what most, most people don't actually know what honey is like if you actually sit them down they kind of have a concept there's something to do with bees but they, they've never really thought that the bees are eating plant of you know flowers yeah, the whole pollination the process whole pollination and... process and that is that's quite a magical thing to kind of land with people um and put them in quite a good mood and then you can kind of take them through and then yeah you know, most people understand fermentation as well like that sort of you know so you know apples to cider and, yeah, and, and exactly. grapes to wine people understand that little process there yeah. and if you focus down on that sort of primary ingredient it just gives a little bit more uh stability to the conversation yeah exactly exactly i think just it roots it yeah i think think that's kombucha yeah Yeah. i think i think kombucha here has been massive in the past three or four years and that's really introduced the idea of fermentation to people even more so than Mm. you know a lot of people don't necessarily associate cider or wine with fermentation they just it appears you know on the supermarket shelves whereas they understand the process of kombucha because it's been so in fashion and blown up on social media as to how to make it and how to do it. And this happens to this and the alcohol can, the sugar converts, you know? So I think that's really helped, but like you guys, I, I try and explain it that, you know, it's, it's similar to a cider, but instead of using the, the sugar and the apples, we use honey in replacement so that for that same sort of fermentation process. Mm, yeah. And I think that's been sort of the best way to explain it. Um, and our semi-sweet one is definitely I would say it's perhaps slightly more popular than the dry, um, but in saying that, it's still only eight grams of sugar and oh, three so thirty mils. Pretty, pretty dry, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, for, for dry us, still, anyway. yeah, yeah. Our yeah. dry is that's like one point six grams of sugar. Like that is that's like alcoholic honey soda water. Yeah, yeah. That's nice. essentially what it is. Like, yeah, it's no, it's quite impressive because it's right? yeah, <laughs> locale. You know, brilliant. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's. Uh, Using using blends of honey as well when you're doing those sort of lower uh, lower sugars as well is always kind of fun because it's it's interesting to see what's left over at the end of it. Like it's quite easy to mm-hmm. sort of back sweeten and cover up some of those some of those bits, but you really get a really interesting view of honey when you take away all the sugar, you strip it all away, yeah, and, and see yeah. what's left over. And we kind of like doing that with a lot of the sort of monofloras or some of the single origin honeys and and really stripping them away of their their sugar bond. And sort of seeing mm. what they've got left over. Because you get all those, yeah, really nuanced tertiary flavors that come through that you just wouldn't access otherwise. Yeah, and it's... if you can control the acid base on it, it, it turns into quite a quite an interesting product that people don't know what to do with. Yeah, it's kind of doesn't. Yeah, it, well, as in like it's super it, useful from a sales point of view. Well, you know that's well, yeah. well here's, here's really interesting, but um. What do you want to what do you want to do with that? Right, yeah. Well, it, so, yeah. So that's yeah. why we have a core product. And that's, well, why we that, have that's why you range. need to understand the whole product to be able to develop that's something true. that is yeah. that is palatable. But yeah. uh, you know, doing trials of things to see what's ah, left yeah. over. No, I'm all about I'm all about innovation. Product. You know, yeah. <laughs> so moving yeah, on. Yeah. I mean, the um, flavor development is the most is the most fun part for me. I think I've got thirty or forty flavors waiting in the wings for the future. That's it. What kind like of what kind of thing? Are you, what kind of direction would you like to take it? Are you still thinking about different honeys or different adjuncts, or is it fruit? Yeah, is it you know a bit of everything? 
Yeah, so um, with a real core focus on using only New Zealand grown ingredients. Yeah. Um, so for example, one that I can't wait to develop more, we've done some early trials, but it's a central Otago apricot and wild thyme. So we'll use our, um, freshly juiced apricots, seconds apricots, so it would otherwise go to waste. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll use wild thyme honey, but a small amount because it's very pungent. Um, and then we'll probably use a balance of clover honey to give it that that sweetness without the punch. Um, and that's the one that sort of tells a story about the central Otago region, apricots and stone fruit, are the biggest grower down here. And then the wild thyme is all grown up on the hillsides around here from many, many, many years ago. And that's the main food source out there. So that's one example. Um, we did some early trials with Otago University last year um, with the food science students. And we used just a, like the tiniest pinch of like dried thyme, the herb, yeah. um, with it. And it just tasted like roast chicken. Eh? It was all, <laughs> <laughs> like you couldn't get past it. It was, it was not good. Um, so I wouldn't recommend that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we'll be using um, cherries as well. Cherries are massive and cherries from New Zealand, they come individually wrapped in China and are worth a fortune. So it might be that we use the seconds, you know, the the wasted cherries yeah. to um, use as well. Uh, we, we've got some trials happening at the moment um, with a bit of a hazy hopped mead. I'm jumping on the very fashionable bandwagon of hazy beers at the moment over mm-hmm. here. Um, I personally don't like beer at all. Um, I try, I try often, but I, I can't get into it. So it'd be really interesting to see um, how these come out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we've played around with hops and ours for, for quite some yeah. time and, and taken lots and lots of different directions. And honey honey and hops go together quite well. Yeah, it's quite, quite a nice, nice combo, actually. It's uh, yeah. especially, you don't need a lot of sweetness and, you know, uh, it doesn't produce too much bitterness. It's quite a nice little balanced process because bitter and sweet balance each other out quite nicely mm. as well. Um, yeah, yeah really I'm hoping I'm gonna like it. We're just um, about to, to bottle the uh, sample of the trials this week, uh, so it'll be really interesting to to uh, from beer drinkers' perspective. So far that I have, they really like it. So it'd be interesting to see what the end. Yeah, we comes find out it's like. a nice gateway mead. Yeah, it's a good way yeah. to kind of introduce beer drinkers into it. I yeah, think, it just yeah. gives us something familiar to work on, mm. but. Charles, thank you so much for your time. We're, we're sort of running towards the end of this quite quickly, but uh, do you have yeah. sort of anything you want to ask yeah, us? Yeah, is there anything or... we've missed or anything you want to tell us about that we've... There's always something that <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know what to question for. Um, so yeah, anything mm. interesting going on? No, I was thinking, what was I thinking? I think your, your guys made were the first that showed up to me um, online when searching about it a while ago, and especially Real. that... Um, give hacked Google get hacked to the SEO yeah. wizard a, a prize. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it's such a shame that we can't bring them over and um, have a try. Unfortunately, at this stage. Oh, yeah. Do you yeah. guys have you tried to do any export? Do you, is is exporting a honey based product for you guys an issue, or is it not honey based? It's just alcohol. Uh, it's just it's just alcohol, so it's fine. So our export is yeah. um, uh, used to be about 60 70 percent of the business before COVID, so it was quite a big part of it. Right. Um, now it's not as much because uh, it, COVID has just kind of chucked everything up in the air. So um, we should be getting back to that. Um, it's fine. Export's actually pretty. Um, we are going to the USA, Canada, Norway, Sweden, Singapore, Hong Kong, and South Korea. 
So a fair spread. Um, and yeah. actually export, I'd say for us, unless I've missed something, really straightforward, really quite <laughs> easy. Um, I'm just constantly in fear that I've missed some paperwork, but no, it, it is actually quite straightforward. Um, yeah, once you've done it a few times, Once you've done it a few times, it gets easier. And um, yeah, it's the same. Yeah, I mean, it's the same logistics headache as anything else. It's a bit, okay, it's a bit more of a logistics yeah. headache, but it's not, mm. it's not rocket science compared to, and it's good volume, right? And it's big, it's big enough to be worth the yeah. hassle, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, the only thing is that yeah. the orders are quite lumpy. So they're big orders once in a, once a year, say, and that makes the, planning and execution quite challenging when you've got say yeah, two fine. containers going in a month and you're like right yeah how do we do that as yeah. opposed to it being nicely spread out but, which, yeah. is, which is fun for the um, from a production standpoint because yeah. you kind of you have to develop these these weird, very peak peak yeah. in the production yeah. and like yeah it's, it's it's a lot of fun to organize but it's also quite a good process for making you narrow your um production time and, yeah. and your your problem mm. set as well and yeah, you know, your process needs to be quite tight, quite tight, and yeah. and quite flexible at the same time, which is a, a weird sort of way to try mm. to view it. Is that you know it it you've got a very strict time frame, um, and yeah, you just can't have any mistakes in that that little yeah. tiny period. But... Yeah, what kind of size yeah. tanks do you guys have? Well, maybe we do everything in thousand liter batches. So what is that? Ten hex. Yeah, um, and that. We've got a really weird small space here. Yeah. So the, the roof is only, what, two and a half meters no, high? No, it's like one at the door is 1.9, so 2.2 okay. or something so like that. So it's not a very tall roof. Yeah. So the tank, we're limited by the tank size. So we've got a load of old like mm -hmm. square tanks, dairy IBCs, which we've converted yeah. and they kind of fit in nicely. Um, nice. We need to move. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we've got a couple of like dish bottom wine tanks that we use for, yeah. that, that are probably the most run through but for, for main production especially hydromels that that are in that sort of raging fermentation we don't find that any issues with the square tanks and you know sort of we mm. could do about six thousand liters a week yeah yeah which is cool you know which is fun yeah it's quite a tight week yeah, yeah. what's what's your fermentation time on the hydromels roughly about a week, 10 days, yeah. Like that. Yeah. yeah, in between seven and 10 days. Hmm. Interesting. I have so many questions floating in my brain. <laughs> Maybe we need to do it off. off yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. Thank you so much for yeah, well, thanks, joining yeah, us. Thanks very much. We're yeah. running out of time now, but this has been, yeah, it goes so by, by so quickly. It does, it does. But nice so, way to start the morning as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited about this Boris flower. I can't yeah, believe that I missed that. Yeah, um, I can't believe it crops up there as well. It's weird. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, thanks very much, Chanel. Um, and we'll, I'm sure we'll speak to you soon. Yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you so much. Cheers. See you time. Yeah. Cool. Right, See you well. later. Thanks for listening, guys. Hopefully, you enjoyed that. So hit the subscribe and like button and follow us on all our social media. And we'll see you again next week. If you've got any questions or thoughts or just want to chat about meat and honey, then drop us an email to podcast at dawsons.co.uk. Or better still, jump on our Instagram, ask us uh, any questions that you have and watch us scramble to try to find the answer and look like we know what we talked about. Or if you want to see what I look like, you can head on the website at www.dawsons.co.uk.